Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. This week's podcast is a message from the Holy Spirit about being joined to Him. He wants us to know how very joined we are. Recently, I was in my prayer time I was just waiting before the Lord, and I I was feeling His presence and feeling His nearness and how He just, He longs to be connected to us probably more than we long to be connected to Him. But I just long to be really knowing my connection with Him. And he, He began just speaking the word joined to me and how, how He's his spirit is joined to our spirit. When we're born again, you know, when Jesus met with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and we know that, that famous verse, John three sixteen, 16, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's about his love reaching out to us. To, to give us what we need. That's what the word agapao means in Greek. It's, it's the word for love. It's God's kind of love. It's the kind of love that looks for what we need and then provides it. He knew we needed a Savior, and so he sent his son. But when Jesus was, was uh, first speaking with Nicodemus, Nicodemus is saying, Lord, we know that you are a, a real true teacher from God because nobody could do the works that you do unless God had sent him. And Jesus said to him, and it's translated into, into English, don't you know, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is scratching his head. How, how can I get back into my mother's womb and be born all over again? But this wording is a double meaning. There's lots of double meanings that are written in the original that don't begin to come through in the, uh, in the English language because they don't translate right. They don't have a double meaning, you know, like like we might think of a double meaning as, was it, was it Abbott and Costello? One of those pairs of guys had this, this funny thing where there was a baseball team and, and somebody's name was who and somebody's name was what and somebody's saying, who's on first? And, <laughs> and uh, the other guy says, no, who's on second? What's on first? And that, that was the, the names of the guys. One of the guys' names was who. But he's asking who is on first. He's asking a question, and the guy is answering something that's completely different. It's, it's a double meaning, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a misunderstanding. And that's what we have in this, this scripture. Nicodemus is understanding him to say, you must be born again. But that's not what Jesus said. What he said was, you must be fathered or engendered from above. It's your your heavenly father has to have put something in your spirit in order for you to see the things that are eternal. That's what he was talking about. And Nicodemus didn't get it because it was a double meaning. Uh, that doesn't come through at all in in most of our languages, but that's what it was in the original. Jesus is saying you have to have the Spirit of God in you. 
It's the Spirit of God that draws you to Him in the first place. And that Spirit is there to pull you to Him. That Spirit is there to be joined with you. He woos us until we receive Him. When we receive Him, that Spirit that's in us is drawn and our Spirit wakes up. It it becomes alive. It comes from the Father. It it came from the Father. We were sent from the Father to begin with. He gave us life to begin with. Do you know that when the sperm and the egg come together, that there's a flash of light? Something significant happens that's supernatural. Oh, everybody might, all the scientific people might say, oh, no, there's nothing supernatural about that. Yeah, God created it that way. He created it that life starts with that spark, and that spark comes from him. There's no accidents, beloved. Don't think, don't let any spirit tell you that you were an accident. There are no accidents. Your heavenly father gave you life and he chose your father and he chose your mother. Your circumstances might have might not have been the most appropriate circumstances and perhaps you were tormented by it with rejection from from the beginning, but your heavenly father, your heavenly father is your father. He's the one who who chose your DNA. He chose your circumstances to give you circumstances that you could overcome and become this glorious being that has overcome and and gets glorious rewards and is prepared for a glorious future in eternity. It's glorious. It's glorious. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Yes. He is joined to our spirit. I think that's a subject for another podcast. We'll just have to take that one up at another time. But he is joined to our spirit. When we're born again, our spirit is joined with the Holy Spirit. When we have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit comes up inside of us and gives us the the potential and the, the revelation and moving forward into speaking in tongues where we are speaking mysteries. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're speaking mysteries. We're declaring things. Romans 8 talks about how we don't know how to pray as we ought to, but the Holy Spirit prays through us because he's joined to us. His love has joined us. So as I was meditating on this uh, idea of being joined, it was like I could see it, it, the words joined with with an exclamation mark. And I I looked it up in uh, the freedictionary.com, and the very first word for the word joined is of or relating to two people who are married to each other, united. And, you know, just like Pastor Justin was was talking a a couple of episodes ago about head and body, that the head and the body are meant to be joined together. We become one in him. We become one with him. It's something that, that we're connected. It's like the picture of marriage. You know, he talked to then about Adam and Eve Go back to that podcast and how God separated Eve from him. But they were one to begin with because we are meant to be one. Even though we are two, Philip and I are two, we are married, we are one. We are one in him. He made us one. Uh, 
Abraham, God called him, brought him into covenant. Covenant makes you one. There's a a oneness that comes in being covenanted with someone. And marriage is a covenant thing. The first place where we see the word joined with reference to marriage has to do with Leah. Now, the backstory on Leah is she was the first wife of Jacob, but Jacob thought that he was marrying her younger sister, Rachel, and his uncle Laban tricked him just kind of like he had tricked his brother, sort of like um, <laughs> reaping what you sowed, you know? Yes. <laughs> and and so he's been tricked now, so he's kind of feeling what, what he's done to others has been done unto him. <laughs> and so he's been tricked into marrying the older daughter because, you know, culturally it wasn't proper for the younger daughter to be given in marriage before the older daughter. So, you know, you've got this situation of rejection because Jacob wanted Rachel. He didn't want Leah. And so Leah was the rejected wife. And, you know, Laban says, well, Jacob, just, you know, work another seven years and and you take care of both of these women. And and so both of my daughters will be your, your wives. And all Jacob had was eyes for Rachel. But Leah was his wife, too. And so immediately she gets pregnant with Reuben. And Reuben, the name Reuben that Leah gave to him means, see, a son. Look, Jacob, I've given you a son. And Jacob is kind of probably excited. Now, the Bible doesn't say these Mm -hmm. things. I'm kind of reading in between the lines Mm -hmm. because I know human nature a little bit. And Jacob really loved Rachel, and he was kind of tolerating this situation with Leah. And so he's, he's saying, oh, wow, I have a son. I'm a dad. Hey, Rachel, look it. I have a son. And I can just imagine whether he said it or not, he was at least thinking, I can hardly wait to have a son with you. And so, you know, Leah goes on being the rejected one, even though she's given him a son. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next thing is she has another baby. And here it is, another son. And culturally, you know, sons were really important in yeah, that have culture. two sons. Yeah, yeah. And, and even still in the Eastern culture, it's that way, in the Middle East and in, in the Orient. It's really important that you have sons. Even in China, oh, yeah. the one-child rule. I mean, they want the son. Oh, yeah. And many times if it's a little girl... She could be taking out to the trash heap. Yeah, because they want a son. So a son. It's rejection. Yeah. So God gave Leah a second son, and she calls him Simeon, because in Hebrew it's Shimon. And you hear the word Shema, it mean, means to hear, because she said, God has heard that I was rejected, and he has given me the second son. Look, look, Jacob, he's given me another son. He's given you another son. I've given you another son. What do you think? And so, you know, I can just imagine that Jacob says, wow, I'm a father a second time, and it's a son. This is really good. Look, Rachel, I have a second son. I can hardly wait to have one with you. And then she, because she's the rejected one, Leah is, is so excited when she gets pregnant the third time. And she has a third son. And she says, now... This time, my husband will be joined unto me Mm. because I've borne him three sons. 
and she called his name Levi or Levi. The, the name Levi comes from the word lava. It comes from a word that means uh, to twine together hmm. or be joined. So it means to be joined, to be united, to remain, to stick together, to abide together, to be joined. And so every time she called his name, she was saying, Levi. And, and she's saying, Jacob, I'm joined to you now. You're joined to me. I've given you three <laughs> sons. Three sons should mean that we are joined. And actually, she went on and had a fourth son in that set. And then she, later on, she had two more sons. And she had a daughter. But the fourth son, she named Judah, Yehuda. It means praise. praise. And she says, now I'm going to praise God. She overcame. I'm going to praise God because I have four sons. I've given Jacob four sons. And Rachel's given him nothing at this point. Yeah. And so she chose to praise God at that point. But back to the Levite joined. His name means joined. And, you know, the devil kind of gets in and tries to twist our purpose. And so when Dinah, the, the daughter, grew up enough and they were living in the area of Shechem, this young man named Shechem, the son of the, oh, the sheikh, I suppose you would call him, the leader of the clan that was living there, the, the little town that was there, he lusted after Dinah and he raped her. And so Jacob kept his cool until all of the sons came back in from their tending of the flocks. And he told them what happened. And long story short, they tricked all the men of Shechem because at this point, the young man named Shechem, he really wanted to marry her. He wanted her to be his wife. He loved her. He just got out of control. He didn't have anything in him to no, have no morality. morality, okay? No. And he loved her, and he wanted her to be his wife. So the sons of Jacob said, okay, we're circumcised. And so if you want to have our sister, all of your men have to be circumcised, and then we can do business. And that way um, we can marry your daughters, and you can marry our daughters. And so, But they were tricky, just like their dad. They were tricky. And when all of these men who agreed to it because of their greed, they agreed because of greed, they mm. they said, okay, if we can have all of their daughters and we can have all their flocks too, they're really rich guys. Commerce. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's ha let's make money here. This yeah. is a good advantageous thing. So he Levi joined with his brother Simeon, and they went and killed all of the men of Shechem while they were sore. They he joined together with his brother to do evil. You know, they thought it was the right thing, to, but they joined themselves together. So he was living up to his name joined. And then after they came out of Egypt, there was a whole tribe of Levites. And that was the tribe that God chose to join to himself. And he chose Moses out of that tribe to be the one who would make this people come to be joined to the promise of the promised land. It's really quite an amazing thing that God chose this tribe named joined. But in the New Testament, we have this scripture 1 Corinthians chapter 16 that is talking about being joined. In verse 12, Paul says, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are expedient or profitable. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any of them. Meats for the belly or food for the belly and the belly for food, 
but God shall destroy both of them, both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication. It's not for sexual immorality of any kind, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Remember that head and body thing? Hmm. The Lord is to be joined to us. And God is raised up both by the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know, verse 15, that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What, don't you know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, he wrote in his, in his word, he said in his word, two shall be one flesh. Whenever you come together in the marriage covenant, you become one. You are joined in marriage. So when you have sexual immorality, there's a portion of your soul that goes, it's joined to that other person. And the part of that other person is joined to you. And so you wind up, if you get promiscuous, you wind up being joined to all these other people and you become shattered. Your soul gets shattered. But go, let's go on here. It says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. We've been made one spirit with the Lord. Now, Jesus said that he came to heal the brokenhearted. Yeah. Any heart that's been shattered, any, any soul that's been shattered by promiscuity can be brought together. Jesus was reading from the scroll of Isaiah in Nazareth, in that, that scripture that I just quoted, Luke 418, where he come, came to heal the brokenhearted. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The Lord, Jehovah, has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. In the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek translation that was translated before Jesus was ever born, the Greek translation uses the word heal. But the word here in Hebrew, to bind up the brokenhearted, it means to cover or envelop and close. And even it means to govern or rule. So when we have a broken heart for whatever reason, whether it's a, a trauma that's happened or, or whatever is the cause, uh, whether it's been pr- sexual promiscuity, he will bring all of those shattered parts together and he'll envelop you in his love. He'll envelop you and he'll bring you to that place where his spirit can govern you, where you become one with the Holy Spirit, where you become one in him. He completely restores you. He completely makes you whole again, binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to captives. Even sometimes parts of us go, go into captivity because of because of trauma, because of abuse. But he brings those places out of captivity to restore us and make us whole. That Remember, remember we said the word joined meant it came from the word to, to twine or to twist together. There's a, a word in the Hebrew that means to, uh, to wait on the Lord. I think it's kavah. And it's used in that scripture in Isaiah they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That word wait means to bind together by twisting or to collect. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 1 where he talks about how he gathered the waters together. Wherever they were, he gathered them and he gathers together the parts of us as we wait on him, as we spend time in his presence, as we spend time waiting on him, as I was when I began to get this message. He joins us together. 
He joins together the parts that are broken. He fills in the areas that are wounded. Even if a place in you has been pierced through and it seems like there's nothing there, he steps in and he fills that place with himself. He truly brings healing. He truly binds up those wounds. And I just love where it talks about in Romans 8, about what can separate us from the love of God and from the love of Christ. It starts in verse 35. Philip, do you have that in the Amplified? Yes. Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? Read verse 37. Yet amid all these things we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, am sure, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Wow. Nothing can separate us. That we're joined in the Greek comes from the same word as glue. Mm. <laughs> glue. We're joined. We're glued together. It can't be undone. It means to stick, to cleave, to join, to keep company, to, to join yourself. We're glued to him. What can separate us from the love of God? And what I'm picturing is, you know, there are adhesives today that are bonded with heat like an iron-on patch. Yeah. Or if you do some things with sewing, there's a, a bonding material that you can actually stick two, two separate kinds of material together with this other material that is an adhesive material. And you iron it, and the heat causes it to bond together so that it cannot be separated. And what I'm picturing is that, that the fire of the love of God, the fire, he has fire in his eyes. And that fire is his love for his bride. And that fire, remember what Heidi Baker said, I looked into those fiery eyes of love and I knew I could never say no to him. Not because we don't have the choice to be able to say no to him, but because his love is so beyond anything that we can comprehend. But when we see it, when we have that revelation that comes from his fire, that comes from that baptism of fire. Uh, John the Baptist said, there comes one after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. That fire that came down on the day of Pentecost yes. and sat upon the disciples as cloven tongues of fire. I believe it burned right down into them and began to write his word on their hearts. You know, when his word is inscribed in us, it transforms us. We've talked about it before, how we are transformed into his image, into his very likeness. We're being restored to what Adam lost because the second Adam has been joined to us by the Holy Spirit. That second Adam, that last Adam, has been joined to us. We are one spirit with him. How can it be possible to separate that which has been made one with God? It is impossible. I'm persuaded 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing in creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has bonded us to himself. We are one with him. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.